Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of No Guilty Pleasures, a pop culture podcast. I'm your host, little-known cartoonist Ken Holzhauser. I came to an epiphany years ago that there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. I know there are movies, television programs, and music that are seen as guilty pleasures, junk food for the mind, but in this negative climate that we live in, do we really need to feel embarrassed by our entertainment choices? I don't think so. If it amuses you, laugh. If you like it, be proud to like it. It's what it was made for. Now, today, we're once again going to talk about something that I dearly love, but not necessarily the way I love it. This is a strange one because uh, it has the benefit of nostalgia, while being something that I didn't discover until I was much, much older. And it's also just crazy. So, ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to talk about Japanese Spider-Man. How groovy is all that music? And then, of course, the the pow bam sound effects that only Japan can do just right. Oh, it's nice. Anyway, when I was a kid, I was a I was a Spider-Man fan. I grew up loving Spider-Man. I had the Mego Spider-Man action figure and a steady diet of afternoon cartoons of the 1967 Spider-Man TV series. You know, does whatever a spider can. I was a Dyed in the Wolf fan of the Nicholas Hammond uh, live-action Spider-Man series, although it seems a lot of people aren't. Certainly Disney is not a big fan. Marvel is retroactively not a big fan. Stan Lee wasn't a big fan. But I liked it. I was going to be happy to get my superheroes any way I could. And there it was, Spider-Man, the flagship character of Marvel Comics, jumping around in live action, uh, fighting, if you want to call it that, some bad guys. It was uh, it was everything I was hoping for 
except for, you know, supervillains or a comic book-like plot or anything that reminded me of Spider-Man. But I digress. What I didn't know as Nicholas Hammond was jumping around in Danskins on my television is that uh, Marvel Comics had made a deal with a Japanese company named Toei and they were going to share intellectual property. Uh, Stan, in particular, was very excited about breaking Marvel into the, the Japanese market. Now, as part of this sharing of intellectual property, I saw what we got on the American side of things, which was Marvel produced a comic book based on the Shogun Warriors, and there were Shogun Warriors toys. They were, they were giant robots that fought giant monsters. They were everything that, you know, I associated with Japanese entertainment at that time. I was hardly uh, a Kurosawa fan or anything. Uh, I saw giant robots fighting giant monsters, and that's really all I needed from the Land of the Rising Sun, really. But, uh, the comic, the toys, all of that stuff was great. What I didn't know was, on the other side of things, Japan created its own Spider-Man television series. And it was largely unseen by everybody in America for hmm, decades, I would say. I don't remember how I first encountered it, uh, although it was probably at a comic book convention when I was uh, much older. And there is always a booth selling, let's say, bootleg material, VHS and DVD. And I will tell you right now, those things are catnip to me. If you can tell from the list of movies and television shows that we've been doing on this podcast so far, I have a real sweet tooth for that kind of thing. So I will always uh, home in like a heat-seeking missile on one of these booths that sells bootleg video, and uh, I will try to find some long-forgotten television series or cartoon or something that I can't see anymore in that old age before YouTube. It was where I was introduced to the Roger Corman uh, Fantastic Four movie, which may or may not be uh, part of an upcoming episode. Uh, I saw uh, episodes of Shazam and Isis for the first time in forever uh, to get that nostalgic tingle. And there would always be a television uh, playing one of the bootleg videos at the booth, and the one that really caught my eye was, here is uh, a fella dressed up like Spider-Man cavorting around and fighting bad guys, and I thought, oh, the Nicholas Hammond show, and then it went crazy, then there were giant monsters, a giant robot, there was uh, Spider-Man grabbing a submachine gun and mowing down his enemies, and I was told at that point of the Japanese Spider-Man series from 1978. It is, uh, words really can't describe it. It is such a delight. I think there are episodes on YouTube. For a while, Marvel was sharing episodes of it on their website. They had finally come around to it uh, in, within the last 10 years or so, being something that they were willing to point and laugh at. But it definitely never saw the light of day any time before that. Just craziness. Uh, the story is um, has nothing to do with anything that you associate with Spider-Man, aside from the costume. Uh, Spider-Man uh, apparently saves a, a member of a race from a planet called Spider, who has a 4,000-year vengeance against somebody called Dr. Monster or something like that. It's 
Um, <laughs> it's so goofy. If you've ever seen the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, then you know the type of program that we're talking about here. You know we're talking about giant monsters, giant robots, disposable thugs uh, in the Power Rangers. They were the putties that you could just... Uh, get into huge fight scenes with and dispatch quickly and easily. And we have a counterpart in this show for sure. There are weird monsters in it. Uh, toothache alligator springs immediately to mind. Uh, there's, uh, there's lots of scenes of, um, motocross drag racing and other 1970s fun. And then for most people, the uh, the excitement of the show was uh, Leopardon, which was the giant robot that Spider-Man would summon to fight the monster when the monster would suddenly become giant, because that's what they do. And uh, it was actually the first of these kinds of shows. Leopardon was a big deal in Japan and started a, uh, a run of uh, copycats that eventually came to our shores as the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So uh, that's an interesting thing that it had sort of permeated our pop culture almost totally by accident. The show itself is crazy as a snake's armpit. It is so weird. It's so uh, it's so silly. It's so fun. It's so Japanese. It's so not Spider-Man. But on the other hand, it's that it's it you can't help but love it. It's it's fun. It like I said, it hits nostalgia buttons even though it's not a nostalgia that's associated with me. It conjures up all of those warm memories of the late 70s of uh Spider-Man comics, of Spider-Man toys or merchandise in general. I had one of those web shooters that would fire a um a suction cup with a string on it. <laughs> that you strapped to your wrist. And that was the greatest toy I could possibly imagine. Even Batman's utility belt wasn't as cool as this because those Batman utility belt toys always included a gun. And even me as a, a toddler slash young child slash little know-it-all was standing there going, Batman doesn't use a gun. But of course, the the web shooter was everything. It was um, it was uh, just firing my, my string across the uh, the deck or across the patio and oh oh the 70s oh what a time to be a kid and i would have loved this show if it had found its way to america this would have been a huge thing for me in the way that godzilla movies were huge in the way that um the nicholas hammond show was huge it's uh i had mentioned before that sort of two great tastes that taste great together kind of an idea and this would have been it in spades so I didn't discover this show until I was much older. Uh, I I can't recommend it enough. Not because there's any value connected to it. Not because it's good for you or uh, you will get some sort of richness from the experience. You'll just have fun. And that's the spirit of comic books to me. And that is the heart and soul of what I love about Spider-Man. This is little-known cartoonist Ken Holtzhauser. And I'll see you in the next episode of no Guilty Pleasures, a pop culture podcast. Looking for something new and exciting in comics? Perhaps that other dynamic duo, The Quick and the Dad. It's a love letter to the DC, Marvel, Archie, and Harvey comics of my youth, 
Available now in print and digital from IndiePlanet.com. Within the pages of The Quick and the Dad, you will find supervillains, dad jokes, strange, exciting worlds, really goofy supervillains, and bad puns. I promise. Each issue will delight and confound you in equal measure, and it's available now in print and digital from IndiePlanet.com.